Have you pondered writing children's books but aren't sure how to pull the whole project together from prose to illustrations to publication? In this episode, you'll learn about resources that can help you write and publish your book, how to handle illustrations, and what to consider when pondering traditional or self-publishing. You'll also learn more about social-emotional learning and how you can incorporate these messages into your books to help foster positive messages for children. Welcome to Parents Who Write, the podcast that helps parents pursue their writing dreams. I'm your host, Erin P.T. Canning. I'm a mom of two young boys, a writer, editor, and writing coach. My mission is to help you regularly make time for your writing, find your voice again, and confidently share your stories so that you can own your identity as a writer and be a happier, more patient parent. Hey, friend. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Parents Who Write. Today, I am joined by Cheryl Bass, who holds a master's degree in social work. She has studied child development and uses these insights to inform her picture book writing. Her goal in creating Be Kind Publishing is to produce lighthearted, rhyming stories with gentle themes of teamwork and friendship. Cheryl also holds a master's degree in journalism and is currently working in public relations. Cheryl, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about today's conversation. So to get started, can you briefly tell us about your writing journey? Why is this something that you have to do? And what's your focus? I started with, I have a bachelor's in psychology, and then I got a master's in social work. And I was working in social work, and I found that my chart notes were starting to get very flowery and descriptive. Mm. And I realized no one's going to see this unless it's audited. So why am I doing this? And I realized that I have this need to write. I've always loved English. I've always written things for myself, but I needed to do something more with it professionally because I I felt like with social work, I was helping other people with their creativity. I was helping them get employment. I was helping them find volunteer work and things like that. I was a midwife to other people's creativity, but not so much my own. So I went back to school and got a master's in journalism, and I was a practicing journalist, a business journalist for a few years, and then switched to PR, and that's what I've been doing ever since. I also have written some personal essays, so both of those anthologies include a personal essay from me about being a stage mom to a dog that I had that starred in the Boulder Dinner Theater's production of Wizard of Oz. She was Toto, so... That was a really fun experience. Yes. And then with this story, it's called Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze. It's a picture book for kids ages three to seven. And it started with a sneeze that I had. And I had this ridiculous thought, well, it's a good thing I'm not a dragon because if I was a dragon, this would do a lot of damage. So then I thought maybe there's a story there. And so I wrote it as a rhyming picture book. And I had started it about 13 years ago. And my initial goal was to have it traditionally published. But some of the feedback I got from the traditional publishing houses were, we don't like rhyme. We don't do anything with rhyme. Rhyme goes in and out of fashion. And I guess we're sort of in an out right now. But there's a lot of reasons that I'm a big proponent of rhyme for children. But then I decided about six months ago that I was going to go ahead and do the self-publishing route. And I'm very grateful that I did. 
Yeah. I'm utterly shocked that rhyming is out of fashion because teachers, educators are constantly saying, please read rhyming books to your kids because it helps so much with language development and creativity. Yes. It helps with a sense of rhythm. It helps kids, reluctant readers. It helps kids increase their vocabulary. They can anticipate what the next word is going to be. And this is why things like uh, nursery rhymes, for example, are big for children. And I think also I'm an unknown person. So getting into the traditional publishing world with a children's book in particular, a picture book is really hard because everyone and their cousin is writing a children's picture book, particularly celebrities. And they have their own built-in publicity. It's very easy for Reese Witherspoon to go on a talk show at night and discuss her latest picture book. And then she's got the built-in sales. If an imprint only has the ability to do maybe five picture books in a year, they're going to take Jimmy Fallon and Mariah Carey and all of them before they take someone like me. Yeah, I definitely have my feelings about the big publishing houses because of that and the fact that they get to control what voices are heard. And so I am a big advocate for self-publishing as well, especially because it's really grown over the years in terms of quality. And I'm glad that we're able to get more voices out there especially because we need more rhyming books. Yes, I think so. I absolutely believe so. Right? I mean, my four-year-old just the other day said to me, Mama, what rhymes with cat? And he said, like, Bill. And I was like, no, like, cat, sat, rat. Hmm? And he was so excited to hear that. So the other thing I wanted to say real quickly is that I love that you had an idea, a flash of an idea about this big sneeze. And you're so glad you weren't a dragon but you didn't let it go. Mm -hmm. There's a really great quote out there. I can't remember who said it, but that we walk past dozens of story ideas every day. Mm -hmm. And the hardest thing is to recognize them, even just one. Mm -hmm. So congratulations on holding on to it and for 13 years. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Right? So you talked about moving into self-publishing, which again, I am a big advocate for. Why did you feel the need to create your own brand? Well, I thought if I have other, and I do have other children's picture books in my head, some are already as rough drafts and others are just kind of ideas in my head, Mm -hmm. but they all have something in common and they all have this overarching theme of kindness. Social emotional learning is a big term that's used a lot today. So I wanted to have something that offers the social emotional learning, which is sort of these pro-social ideas that employers call soft skills that employers even look for when Mm. people are adults. I feel like now more than ever is a really important time for kids to get these lessons. You know, with the pandemic, for example, you know, if a kid is, say, seven years old and they spent the last three years in quarantine in their house, they're a little bit behind. They're not getting that give and take that you get in the classroom, interacting with other children, learning how to share, learning about teamwork, you know, how to be a good sport, how to apologize when you do something wrong, all of those kinds of lessons. You just described my oldest. He is seven Mm -hmm. and the pandemic hit him very Mm -hmm. hard. Uh He had his best friend in preschool and playgroups, and then all of a sudden he couldn't see him, and they moved away Mm. during that time period. And no matter how much I tried to explain to him what was going on in his head, he thought that he drove his friend away. 
I know it still breaks my heart. We've tried to talk to him about him. They see each other a couple times a year, but the pain is still there. The self-doubt that created, I just, ah, okay. So yes, you are right. Social emotional learning, SEL, definitely something that we parents and teachers talk a lot about. But can you please talk to us a little bit more about SEL and what that is? Okay, so at this level, and I'm not an educator, my background is in social work. So mm-hmm. I apologize to anyone who's listening who's a teacher and if I'm not getting this right. But at this level, it's more the kind of these soft skills and these ways of interacting with other people that help you to make friends and be a good friend and be employable as an adult and those types of things. So gotcha. things like sharing of resources, apologizing when you do something wrong. Not judging somebody in until you have all the facts, uh, prejudging someone, not bullying, reciprocity. Those are some of the kind of themes. Yeah, those are extremely important. And I'm always trying to read books to my kids that tackle those subjects without me really thinking, oh, this is social emotional learning. So how does SEL show up in Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze? There's social emotional learning throughout the book, but it's not it doesn't hit you over the head with it. So for example, the premise of the book is that the dragon sneezes and because dragons breathe fire, when he sneezes, he burns down a whole village by accident. Oops. And when he realizes what he's done, the first thing he goes to do is to write an apology note. So that's lesson number one. And these are the kinds of things that a parent can, after the book is finished or while they're reading the book with their child, they can say, oh, look, what! why do you think the dragon apologize? Why is that important when you make a mistake to apologize? Um, And how that lets the other person know that was an accident, that you didn't mean to do that, and that everybody makes mistakes and it's okay. So that is in there. The teamwork and the reciprocity is in there with the townspeople. Reserving judgment. The townspeople initially are very angry at the dragon and they want to attack him. But there's a little girl who decides it doesn't make sense to her. Why would the dragon, all of a sudden, he's been flying around for weeks without incident. Why would he suddenly pick this day to burn down their village? You know, they're all ready to attack, but she she has that curiosity and she reserves judgment. She's angry and she's drawn that way. Her eyebrows are kind of going down in that angry because of course, you know, her whole village is burned down, but she's brave enough to go into his cave and ask him, why did he do this? Yeah. And to listen to his response. And then she advocates for him ultimately with the town and with the king and ultimately saves the dragon, saves her town. She's basically the heroine of the story. Yeah. I was having a another conversation recently with uh, another podcast guest who is a teacher, and she was talking about mentor texts, how children's books can be mentor texts for writers. Mm-hmm. And she was saying how important it is to have those kinds of conversations with our kids. Mm-hmm. And so I love the fact that you're talking about that too. And one of the questions that we can also ask is, what do you think would happen if Baby Dragon didn't write the letter? Mm-hmm. Like, and just to like get them to start thinking of how different the story would have been. Or what do you think would happen if the little girl didn't have that curiosity and she didn't go investigate? And so kids can start to realize like, wow, the story would be so different and the outcome would be so different if these things didn't happen. Right. Yeah. Many people in my Facebook groups ask about self-publishing. So I love this topic. Can you share with us some of the pros and cons of self-publishing versus traditional publishing? 
First of all, I want to say that the term self-publishing is a bit of a misnomer. I thought I would be completely on my own having to read, you know, self-publishing for dummies if there is such a thing and trying to figure it out and listen to things on YouTube and do all of that. However, there are people. I have, for example, a mentor named April Cox, and she has a company called Self-Publishing Made Simple. And she walks everybody through the whole thing of how to get the ISBN codes and what to type when you're sending something to the Library of Congress for copywriting and and all of that process and how every step of the way. So that's been very helpful. When it came to the part pretty early on of finding an illustrator, she has several vendors that she works with. Mm -hmm. So this is just an example of why I like self-publishing. So she had 12 illustrators. She gave me all of their website addresses. And I looked at all of their work. I narrowed it down to my top four that I really liked. And she said, okay, those top four people pick a scene from your book and have those four people all draw just a a sketch, draw that scene just in black and white, give them $50 each, and then narrow it down from there. And so I had them all draw the same scene. And then I was able to use my friends and family as a focus group. I then was able to narrow it down to my top two. Mm-hmm. And I asked, and some of the people, you know, had kids and the people of all ages. And I said, which dragon do you like better? Which, you know, and it was showing the same thing happening, but the dragons look very different. And so I was able to then choose my favorite and Remesh Ram, a Pryan animation ended up becoming my favorite. Now, if I had traditionally published this, because I don't draw myself, they would have chosen the illustrator and they would have decided what the dragon looks like and what the people are wearing and all of that. And so whether that was my vision or not, that would have been tough for me. I would have just had to accept whoever they assigned to do the story. So the creative control is definitely one of the things that I really appreciate. Another one is the royalties are higher. So the royalties are like 40 to 50% um, sometimes with self-publishing, whereas with traditional publishing, they're like 10 to 12% for royalties. Yeah. A big difference. And a faster publishing time. My father was ill, very ill while I was writing this book. And my goal, I wanted to have it done before he passed away. Unfortunately, he passed away while the images were still in black and white, but he at least was able to see the process. And I made the dedication to him. And mm-hmm. um, and that was another thing. You wouldn't even have a dedication probably in a picture book that's traditionally published, but I wanted a dedication and I wanted to dedicate it to him. And so the publishing time from the time you have the idea and put it forth is just a matter of months with self-publishing, but it could be years with traditional publishing. And the book has a longer shelf life with self-publishing too. So a new person on the scene like myself has more time to do these things like podcasts and build up a following than they would with traditional publishing. Yeah. And then what about some of the cons with self-publishing? One of the cons with self-publishing is you definitely have more upfront cost. You know, anything from like ten to $15,000 initially for a children's picture book, depending on what you're paying your illustrator. And then that's including things like marketing and putting ads on Amazon and, and making a website if you don't already, starting from scratch and buying those ISBN numbers and all of that stuff from beginning to end can be that amount. Now, someone like April Cox will tell you how to do Kickstarter if you want to do something like Kickstarter and or get a personal loan or something. There's less editorial support, although you can find your own editors. And that's one of the Mm. things that I I did. One of the vendors that she has is an editor. So less marketing support is another issue with the uh, self-publishing versus traditional publishing. Yeah. Where did you find your editor? I'm a member of SCBWI, I believe it is, Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. 
And they have some videos. If you're a member, you can go into their website and watch some of the videos. I'm also a member of Children's Book Insider, and they have a similar thing. And so I watch these videos, and some of them are people who are editors. Oh, I also am a member of Facebook groups. While I was first toying with the idea of self-publishing, I became a member of a Facebook group for people that are interested in self-publishing. And I, this is how I met her. I raised the question to the group saying, how do you trust somebody that you don't know other than sending to a, um, a literary agent or a publishing house, sending it to an editor? How do you trust that they're not going to steal your idea and so on? And then this woman named Laura Bonchi, B-O-N-T-J-E, responded that she's a children's book editor and that she's a member of these groups and that if you're a member of these types of organizations, if you hire an editor that's a member of these groups, their reputation would go downhill very fast if they were to steal an idea from you, but that you should not send them something like a non-compete or a non-disclosure or a copyright letter or something of that nature, because she said that outs you as a newbie to the Yeah, theme. That's not really something that's done in the publishing world. That's more of a, in the business world. But she responded right away to my first post on, in this Facebook group. In Facebook, there's all kinds of groups for all types of interests. And you could just do a search on self-publishing and um, you can find groups and raise questions and learn from other people that way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of the self-publishing services, mostly because I work with somebody who offers self-publishing services. So I'm an editor with those services. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you did have professional editing services. So yay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what are your top tips for parents who want to write children's books? What made the biggest difference for you? Parents happen to have a built-in focus group. If you're writing a children's picture book and you have young children, You can look in their library and when you're reading your children other books, you can look at which ones are well-written, which ones are not well-written. What do you like about them? What does your child like about them? What do their friends like? So definitely use the resources that you have. Your child is a resource. Their friends are resources. So look at those books to get ideas. And then once you have a few different illustrators that you like, have everyone vote which illustrations they like the best. That can help you decide on your illustrator. Another tip I would offer is it took me 13 years from the time I sneezed until this book was published. So there's no race to get it done. It's up to you how fast or slow you want to do this. Another tip I would offer is to read your book aloud, especially if it's a rhyming book. You want to read it out loud to get the sense of rhythm and make sure that the meter is correct and that the accents are on the right syllables and so on. It can seem right without reading it out loud, but as soon as you do it out loud, then you'll you'll find things. You'll find run-on sentences that can be separated into two separate thoughts and things like that. Reading out loud is great for anything, particularly if you're doing a rhyming picture book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then before we go, would you please read us an excerpt from your book? Sure. Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze. I will tell you a story from legends of old of a huge baby dragon who caught a bad cold. He had soared through the villages just as he pleased until one autumn day he regrettably sneezed. Fire burst from his mouth and it burned every shack, so the townspeople planned a great dragon attack. When he saw what he did, the young dragon got scared and wrote an apology note that declared, For weeks I've been flying around having fun. I never intended to hurt anyone, but I caught a bad cold and then suddenly sneezed. Yes, I burned all your houses, and now you're displeased. 
If someone could help me to finally mend, I'd love to assist you and be your new friend. He was planning to leave them the note overnight before any people could find him and fight. And then the little girl comes into the picture. She enters his cave and she basically saves the day. It ends happily. Yes. (laughs) The research that you did for the illustrator definitely paid off because Mm -hmm. I absolutely love the illustrations in this book. Mm -hmm. And you're right. When I read the book out loud, you can hear the rhythm, the cadence to it. Mm -hmm. And so you just you did a really beautiful job of merging language with the illustrations. And so both you and the illustrator really did a beautiful job with this book. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show. This has been a ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. All of your contact information is in the show notes. So before we go, is there anything else that you would like to say? It just makes a great gift for children ages three to seven or eight. Their parents can read it to them. You know, one of the key messages that I say to my seven-year-old a lot is that the world needs more kindness. So I love the message of this book and thank you for writing it. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I definitely believe the world needs more kindness. And when I'm not kind, because that does happen, I try to apologize and take ownership. So that's important too, that we're all human. We all make mistakes. So hopefully not as big as burning down an entire village. (laughs) Yes, one would hope. One would hope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again and bye. Bye-bye. Take care. You've reached the end of another episode of Parents Who Write. Check out the show notes to download your free copy of my guide, Five Steps to Help You Start Writing Today. 